Welcome to Mary Liar Talks, a podcast that discusses mental health and spiritual well-being. Before we jump in, there may be episodes that are particularly sensitive for some listeners. And if that applies, then I hope you'll be able to join me whenever you feel ready and able. In this episode, I'm with Dr. Chris Davis, and we're talking about clearing the home after the passing of a loved one, which isn't easy to navigate. Let's listen into the conversation. Like my experience when it comes to clearing the house after someone's passed away, um, I would say it boils down to two events and they're to do with the passing away of my parents. So the first was my dad and he passed away um, quite a few years ago, quite a number of years ago, actually. And to be honest, I don't remember much of that. And I don't, and I think it's because I wasn't part of the process. I was at uni at the time, I'd come home weekends, um, but I don't really remember being involved in the process. I would definitely say it was much different when my mum passed away because I was kind of staying with her at the time. So I I definitely had a lot more hands-on experience of being involved in that process and yeah, very different experiences um, for those two occasions. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I would agree actually. I think so, so my, my dad passed away in 2019, by which point you know, I'm a, a, a you know a grown a grown man um, with a with a sort of young family of, of of my own. Prior to that, I think I'm probably one of those those people who's fortunate actually to have not experienced loss like much in my in my life. And I I think the the last experience prior to that was my grandma passing away when I was probably 17 17 or 18 and i think it was a similar a similar experience to the one that you've just alluded to when you're kind of probably because of age or just because of circumstances you're kind of kept out of kept out Mm. of that um the probably the more formal elements of that so it was a completely different experience that came with completely different um challenges i guess you know Mm. virtually 20 years 20 years later sure and um and you mentioned about challenges. So when your dad passed away and you were a lot more involved in the in the process, how mm. I guess how did it happen um for you and, and I guess you and your family? So so dad passed away really suddenly. Um it was a it was a, a heart attack and I mean it was yeah, really sudden my dad was in good health. Um he to, to my mind, I mean, there's, I think there's always a bit of a naivety about your own parents that you think that they're, you think they're invincible. And I always felt like that about my dad, despite the fact that, you know, he'd had various different physical ailments, you know, he had a hip replacement, for example. And I'd, I had seen him being kind of slightly vulnerable and, you know, toddling around after he'd had his hip replacement and things like that. But I still saw him as being kind of invincible. Um, it, to me, he was kind of a pretty healthy man in his, in his late sixties, he was still working so it was really it was really sudden and, and i think that that that's the that's the con that's the context for for a lot of this conversation that it was the it was the suddenness um i think that that poses a different challenge to somebody who's lost uh, you know a close relative or friend or you know um over a period of time when you've perhaps had chance to think about it a little bit more i don't think that one is is easier than the other but i think that 
that it being something that's really sudden just means that you just are, are kind of faced with a reality reality really really suddenly mm. um and so I, I would say that that with with my dad there was a real sense of having to overcome the shock before before anything before anything else but uh but when i sort of said a moment ago that you you know i encountered this as an adult while you are dealing with those kind of emotions like you know shock and that immediate sense of grief there are just practical things practical things straight straight away you know my dad was still working and so there's there's things like making sure that his so my dad was self-employed making sure that his clients and clients and and people that he worked with were made aware and and that Mm. happens you know my dad died on a friday night and we were having to do those things on a monday so it was really really sudden in that sense yeah so so like um like what you've said in a way similar but not similar uh when it came to my mum so uh so like my mum she passed away just over five years ago um and even to me it was sudden but thinking back, it really wasn't because all the signs were there. Mm. And it, I think it's because, like you say about parents and you think, you know, that they're going to maybe they're like a, a hero. They're going to, mm. you know, go on for ever and ever and ever. That was literally how I saw my mum. Because even though she was elderly, she, my mum passed away. She was over 80, but she was very yeah. strong um quite independent um Mm. and it was only the latter months that her health declined and even though her health declined um quite significantly I still didn't see it coming and maybe it's because it was hope maybe it's because I did not think about the what what then happened Mm. um I really didn't see it coming so in a way it was it was sudden um she was in hospital Mm. Similar reason that you mentioned in terms of your dad, um, heart attack. But when she was in hospital, she was getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, just when the doctors were saying that, oh, actually, you know, um, she's much better now. She, yeah, she passed away. So, um, so for, I would say a good, a good few weeks, mm. um, hadn't even thought about clearing the house or what to do with mum's stuff Mm. and it it first the process first started in a very small way when a family friend very good family friend who was more like a daughter to my mum literally um, Mm. when she came from abroad she came to stay with me and she said okay let's let, let's get rid of this you know and mm. the this were a few little items like in the bathroom to help my mum because she was quite vulnerable at the time just before she passed away and mm. and I was I, I remember being so appreciative that um it came from her and that she'd got the ball rolling you know because um it didn't even cross my mind um Mm. didn't even I don't think it would have crossed my mind I I saw those items they weren't any good to to me um practically they weren't of any sentimental value they were just functional Mm. um support aids but it just didn't cross my mind to to dispose of them to think about getting rid of it and so I just remember Mm. um, I don't think it was relief it was just more gratitude that there was someone there that helped me to make that 
decision. And I think that kind of sowed the seed or paved the way for me psychologically thinking that, okay, um, at some point we're going to do this and we're going to do this in a much bigger magnitude. Um, mm. Before then, it really didn't cross my mind. And can I just ask with that, so mm. you've got you've got siblings, yeah. right? Or I know that you've got a sister. Yeah, I've got siblings, yeah. So were you taking the, the lead on that? process to a certain extent and was uh, and were you in tune with others about the best way through that and I ask just because my, my sense is that there is no there's no blueprint for this at all and you're suddenly in a position where you, you're thinking what it you know what is the right what is the right way to approach it and as and as adults when you've got multiple adults in the equation I think that you you're each going to have your own thoughts on on that yeah um so it's a good question um so i've got i've got two sisters i've got a sister-in-law and i would say i don't remember i don't think i took the lead but i do think i had a a key voice in that process because i was the one that was resident in the house mm -hmm. the others had you know, they've got their own households, their own family, they weren't staying there. And therefore, obviously, um, a lot was um, with me in the sense of, when are we going to do this? And I don't even mm. remember that conversation, to be to be fair. I just think that, I just remember there being one day um, when, and it was more like a project when it wasn't just my sisters, including my sister-in-law, it was like, a lot of members in the family so mm. it was my you know it was my siblings it was my nieces my nephews my cousins my aunts there mm. was a whole um host of family members that we'd arranged a day or dates as it turned mm -hmm. out to clear the house um and and that took a number of weeks um or at least a few weeks um before it was all mainly sorted. So in terms of coordination, I just know that it was after the funeral and mm -hmm. there was a date that people were coming and and really we had to keep doing that until it was the process was finished, you know, until mm -hmm. all the stuff was done. So it reminds me very much more of a project. Um, yeah. You know, we all came together for a purpose, you know, all hands on deck. Um, you know, there was snacks that were being brought just to keep our energies up. There was a lot of chatter in the house, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of gusto. Yeah, that's my memory of that time um i don't know if that answered your question actually no no it did and and it's in, and it's interesting actually that that there's a you know there's a difference there so i mean my my experience is one that i guess you know i've been fortunate that i've i've been able to a certain extent to approach I'm fortunate in that I've been able to approach this from from arm's length to some extent. Mm. So I I don't live in the, the house um, mm. and and had been and had been living elsewhere for for a, a considerable amount of time by that point. Um, you, my mum my mum was there. I think my sister may have been home at the at the time. But what that meant was that I, I kind of I guess I had the ability to to engage with that process and disengage with it yeah. as as and when and it happened over a longer period of time so my mum continued living 
in the house. So this was our family home from what I mean. Mm. I, I don't remember another house. I moved. I moved to that house when I was maybe eighteen months old, I think. So I'd never. Mm. I'd never known any other any other house at all. Um, my mum continued living in that house um, from when my dad died in early twenty nineteen until you know three four weeks ago. Um, and so that process was much more gradual. And I, and I, I mean, I've got huge respect for my mum actually in the way that she that she has has tackled things over a period of time. I think she's always been very philosophical and very realistic about the fact that you know, in in her case, she had essentially you know three decades worth of three decades worth of stuff and and extra as well. You know, because I think that when you move into a house you bring a load of stuff from a previous house and, and you know, and, and it goes on and it goes on. So mm. there were huge amounts of stuff in that house. And I think that she was very realistic about the fact that she would have to chip away at it um, bit by bit. Otherwise I think it's just overwhelming to, um, to take things on all at once. So, so over the last, um, over the last four years and, and I, I kind of, uh, you know, I'll smile as I say this. I've, I've quite, I've actually grown to quite enjoy the process of my mum turning up at any time that she visits. She will bring something, and it's something that she has that she's found in the house, found in a cupboard, found in you know here, there, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she's thought that it, not necessarily that I would want it or want to inherit that piece because we're not we're talking about quite trivial things here it's nothing you know it's nothing of huge importance but she would she would bring them to me um with a thought that i would be best placed to do something with that you know for example um and i don't i wouldn't say that my dad was a hoarder by any stretch of the imagination but he had a lot of stuff i i think there's probably a distinction between being a collector of items and being a a hoarder you know i I don't know that it was that there was that much stuff but he was a um, a real sports buff, and and I think anybody who is a bit of a sports buff will inherit stuff or or gradually uh, you know accumulate stuff over over time. So in my dad's case, it was lots of football programs and and mm-hmm. speedway programs and and um, football programs, not just from professional clubs, but even coming to watch me play football as a you know a teenager mm-hmm. and a young adult. So every time he'd come he'd get a program nothing valuable about them at all you know it might be a 20p program or something but he would just gather them and there were there were bags and bags of them all over the place i mean the loft is a story in in its own you know in its own right but even kind of you know in drawers near my dad's um bed and under the bed there were just bags and bags of things so mum would gradually bring them over to me and i i guess was a bit of a proxy there and i would kind of go through the go through them and do what i felt was the best thing with them but over over a period of 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 years really you know it wasn't just here's everything that your dad ever collected mm. go through it um and, and so i actually think i grew i, I couldn't pinpoint exactly when the time was because obviously it was i was just sad for for you know i i i forget how long but i i just remember getting to a point where i started to take some comfort in in that process of looking at those items taking time and kind of enjoying that enjoy is probably the wrong word but en- enjoying that that time and then and then parting with them whether that was handing them on to some uh, with football programs there are you know i i could go there, there were football programs from decades before my dad was even born so it was clear that he had that you know that we're talking about kind of things that he's that he himself has gathered over the years 
but I would go through and and if I saw a football team that I knew a friend of mine supported, I'd go and just take them that and say, mm. oh, I found this. I know that you support them. Would this be of interest to you? And they, just one or two. And then I'd feel like I'd kind of respected those those items, even though I had to get rid of, you know, I've had to get rid of bags, you know, and I have just recycled a lot of them okay. um, as in throwing them away. Mm. But But just giving it that time, and looking at them and having that evening perhaps and then parting with them felt for me like it was like an important step and one that just needed that kind of yeah respect I suppose Mm -hmm. sure like um I know what you mean about enjoying that time in a way and you're right enjoying isn't quite the right word because it wasn't so much what I described earlier, like it was a project um, and we, you know, we had one purpose to clear out, get rid of stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It's, there was a time where like that process didn't include the other stuff that I had to go through. And that took, um, that took a while to really sort of like go through and clear Mm. out and decide what am I keeping what's not and all that kind of jazz um and it I think the last time it might have been maybe a couple a few just maybe a couple of years ago that I finished I wouldn't even say I've finished but I've more or less finished the filing and that was um the filing of stuff you know like doing all the paperwork so not the clothes not the shoes not their personal items it was more about the letters the books the you know that kind of category um and that took a long while and I remember having to go through them and just decide is this to be kept because it's important? Mm. Is this to be kept because I might need to refer back to it at some point? Or is this just something trivial and it's not real importance? And I remember that then, and, and I remember going through them and just spending the whole day and evenings over a period of time going through all of that stuff and, mm. you know, scanning it just in case, or at least there's an electronic copy or, yeah. you know, shredding it or, you know, disposing of it, recycling it. And I remember that that was quite um, a time where I was quite emotional because after going through it, there was that going through stuff, even if it was like a trivial letter, like maybe a bank statement or mm. something like that. It made me or it made my parents within touching distance because I'm looking at something that was very much live at the time. And that kind of must have stirred up things like in terms of memory, some things were very sentimental, some things not. But the mm. fact that it was an account or of that moment in history that linked to them did stir up memories and I kind of like enjoyed having those that time where I was able to relive or remember certain things because of those that paperwork or those photos um Mm. at the same time it was very emotional because it was a reminder that they weren't in my life anymore but the fact that I was able to enjoy those memories 
by looking at those those documents mm. was an enjoyable experience because I wouldn't be able to create new memories with them and therefore it was an, it enabled me to enjoy those memories by going through those whatever it was photos documents letters yeah I think it's a really I think it's a really important point which is that you know and this is where I say that I think I'm probably quite fortunate that for the Bulk, not not exclusively, but but a lot of the my engagement with that process of you know going through stuff and, and deciding what mm-hmm. to do with it, uh, you know, the bulk of that I've been able to do at arm's length, and I think that the what that what that gives you the luxury of is, I guess, being able to you know for me almost tap into what are overwhelmingly positive memories of of my dad, and I said, like I say, I kind of. Yeah, again, I'm still scrambling around for the right word, but enjoy that, enjoy that process to a certain extent. But you, you will inevitably, and I think I probably found this most when I recently, in the in the sort of last months before my mum moved out of the moved out of the house, when you have to go through everything, and it's you can't choose, you just have to go through everything, mm-hmm. and you go through either the sentimental, the sentimental stuff. There's always more sentimental, you know, material there. Yeah. the practical stuff like you say doc- documents my, I, you know my my dad would have uh, would have uh, kind of old invoices and things up in the in the loft and you just think you I can't really just throw that away and it I, you know and, th- and that's a kind of very practical consideration there and then there's just the really unexpected miscellaneous things that you don't really know what to what to do with and mm-hmm. and not only are there, the th- are there those kind of three different almost categories the sentimental the practical and the completely unexpected but you just can't prepare yourself in terms of knowing how you're going to react to those you know actually it could be i i guess you almost have some in or at least i do there's almost something kind of cinematic about the idea of of finding an old box of photographs and being able to go through them and, and almost you know the, the family are all there and you kind of take out a photograph how oh, do you remember that that was a holiday that we went on and those sorts of things but actually like i say they they tap into something that's that's really positive and then it could be something that is really kind of mundane that is the item that sets you off and and really ups, and really upsets you and I, and I think i would probably say the same thing that for for me those kind of invoices and and documents relating to my dad's job are probably more of a reminder for me that he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you know, sure. because I guess what I'm trying to say is that you you just have to be prepared to be really unprepared to know what to do and, and kind of just be unexpectedly just be upset by things or happy about it and just not know how, how you're going to feel at any given time. Like what you said reminded me of, like there was a part of the paperwork that I had to go through was lots of stuff to to do with my mum's medical appointments Mm. and it's odd because it's like why would I want to keep that but that for a season my mum had a lot of medical appointments because of her health and in that season I was there to take her not Mm. all of the time but most of the time I was there to take her to those appointments I found the time or I tried Mm. to find the time to go with her and so it's almost like even though they're not happy memories they're Mm. still memories you know of of that time that I spent with my mum during that challenging season and therefore Mm. there's something about chucking it away Mm. when they they really were 
part of that history, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's there's something about there's something to be said and i realize that this is really personal to to each individual and you and i know this i know this from kind of my experience with my siblings that that each of us have very different i guess different relationships with grief and mm-hmm. how best to deal with it for me for me personally i think that anything that gives me a that, that acts as a kind of stimulus for me to feel something I cert- I, I kind of welcome uh, and I think I've always but I think I've always been like that so whether it is a whether it's a photo whether it is a bank statement whether it's anything at all if there's something that has the ability to make me sort of feel something I almost yes at the right time but I'll, I'll sort of welcome that because I, I think for a while I used to chastise myself a little bit for not for not feeling enough it felt like you know I like life went on my dad passed away we had I had a couple of weeks off work and then I was back at work and suddenly everything was as it was and I, I felt slightly guilty that I wasn't feeling more and so I think I've always had this I've always had this um I guess inclination towards things that make me feel something even if it suddenly just makes me cry my eyes out whereas mm-hmm. I know that from my brother and my sister's point of view they have a different relationship with that for example my sister will will deal with things in her own way but she'd hate that she'd hate the thought of being caught unawares by something and then suddenly just being like oh I'm just getting this wave of kind of belated grief um but yeah for, for me I think those those objects that for whatever reason help you to connect with yeah. something I, I kind of welcome sure and how did the whole um, deciding what to keep, what not, what were there? Were th- there's always challenges when it comes to um, keeping or, or giving away. How did you go about that? Yeah. So I think that it was, um, I think it depended on, it depended on not only what, but also when. So I, mm. so I would say that, you know, there's the two, there's the two distinct phases there's the the period after my dad passed away up until the point that my mum decided that she was that she needed to move house but you know that she needed to it was a it was a sort of big family house that obviously the children had moved out of and then my dad had passed away and that uh, you know you're not a big fan of dogs but the dog had <laughs> the sort of family dog had then been put down and and it was just mum on her own so there was this moment where she had decided right well I, you know I really think that I need to move on now and I think at that point you move from a, a process whereby you can be selective in the things that you are that you are getting rid of with obviously exceptions if it is something like you say that relates to kind of documentation that's important and that sort of thing then to a then to a point where you you really have to if you've decided that you're moving house and and you know in my mum's case she's moving from a, a family home into a, a much smaller property that just doesn't have the same doesn't have the same space so she just ha- had to go start going through those things um at that point we I, I, we had kind of different again sort of siblings had different roles I, mum for some reason thought that I would be best place to to um clear the loft clear the loft out now that it was undertaken with a with a kind of combination of sort of welcomed sentimentality and then real kind of practicality and and almost a kind of un 
spoken agreement between the two of us that certain things that probably had some sentimental value would have to go you know that you know i think that because you could you just couldn't keep everything you know there was one there was one moment where and i'm sure that my mum wouldn't mind me me sharing this where she had got quite upset because and it was a you know there was no malice in it at all but she had kind of she'd almost got upset at my dad for having so much stuff because she had said why like why is he left me with so much stuff to to sort through and i think that in that moment she thought you know if we were to take everything with us mm. you know pack everything up that was in the loft and keep it in its boxes and take it to the next house and put it in a garage or put it up in the loft and that sort of thing all you're doing is you're then pushing that you know pushing that process mm. down the road and then probably making it worse because things are older and they have more sentimentality to you know, that and yeah. so we just yeah. we mum and mum and I had this kind of unspoken agreement that things would have to go we just couldn't keep everything and and so there was this this kind of i guess process we did it over a couple of couple of days that the loft which actually was was um less time than i thought it might take mm. but whereby i'd go up into the loft the, the loft by the way was my, always my dad's sort of domain it was where you know if anybody needed anything out of the loft it was dad's dad's kind of right. place to, to go to so i felt quite privileged actually being able to go up there in, in the first place um but i would sort of bring things down look at them and it was like uh you know this is this is valuable i'm taking it with me you know from mum's point of view she's taking it with her um this is something that just needs to go and then there were those in between that were like oh mm. we, essentially what we were saying is let, let's have a look at them and and mm. kind of take our time to understand what they are and what significance but you know we were kind of resigning ourselves to the fact that we probably knew that those things had to um go so yeah it was a it was an interesting that that particular part of it was um was interesting and i think that it i think that it helped that we were both on that same on that same page that things would have to go and that you know that any sense that my dad's voice was in the background kind of saying oh why are you getting rid of that i've kept that for 40 years like i think you just had to put that out of your mind mm. to a certain extent mm. otherwise you just wouldn't throw anything away sure and do you think that because quite some time had passed when you were then clearing out the loft that kind of helped to make that tough quite tough decision yeah i i think i think so i mean i think it's probably quite obvious from the way that i i, I suppose i talk about my dad at this point that i i've kind of i'm at peace i'm at peace with his passing now I think for a while, I, uh, evidently, I, I wasn't, and unsurprisingly, I, I wasn't. But I think that I'm kind of think I'm at least at peace with that. Um, it was, it was still, it was still hard. But I think that what helps is the 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 sort of practice. I I actually think that the practical considerations really help because it gives you it gives you a sense of purpose. You know, if you know that you have to do something, you can't just be ruled by that sort of emotion. You you know that there isn't the time and the space for it, and and it doesn't mean that you doesn't mean that you're not giving it kind of the respect that it deserves. But I think you are just driven a little bit more by really practical things. When do we need to get it done by? In Mum's case, she knew that she had to go from 
you know a large amount of stuff to a significantly smaller amount of stuff so i think that those kind of parameters really really helped just make it happen yeah absolutely agree um like for me the fact that we lived in a really small place helped mm. helped because couldn't keep all that stuff yeah you know? even if i wanted to couldn't um so that the hard decisions were made for me it forced my hands and then there was another like and that was the initial you know the initial i would call main clear out because i, mm. I was renovating the place as well had plans in terms of what i was going to do with mom's room mm. so the a lot of those this practical decisions um, overrode the sentimental um, drivers for me keeping it. And I would say the same even some years, you know, a few years later when when I did another, well, another kind of clear out when I was mm. changing, um, it was now the spare room, I was changing mm. it to the office and I had to get rid of the big, you know, queen size bed that really was was like a signature of of um, of my mum, you know, mm. because that was her bed, and it was, mm. you know, it's so sturdy, it's so comfy, it's so you know, yeah. it's there. Um, and even it sounds silly, but um, I know it's not. Even getting to that place where it's like, oh, I can't keep the bed. There's no, even though I would want to. Mm. Um, practicality tells me that i have to i have to get rid of it i have to make room for the office and so those kind of like hard decisions um helped me really to make those um yeah those those choices because in the end it wasn't really a choice I, I, yeah it wasn't really an option did you did you ever and I, th I started talking about this in the in the last in the last question that you asked me. But did you ever get that that uh, it was like it, I suppose it's guilt to a certain extent, but that vo it, it comes from the kind of imagined voice of somebody, mm. almost like questioning your decisions. Do you did you get that to any extent that almost like your your mum saying, "Well, don't, what are you doing that for?" or that? Yeah, I would say so. Um... And I don't know if I would, it, well, I wouldn't say it was quiet because it was in my mum's voice, those, mm. you know, those sounds, those words. But I think it's because I know what my mum was like, you know, mm. mum kept things. She wouldn't, yeah. you know, she wouldn't just throw things away. She would keep them just in case or she'll keep mm. them. And therefore there was a lot of stuff in the house. And so it wasn't really my mum's nature just to, get rid of things you know my mum would be the one that would say no 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 don't need don't take that away no no we need mm -hmm. that or what you you know so that was that was that was her voice so yeah. um moving stuff getting rid of stuff um it was it was sad in a way because I knew that what what we were doing was against my mum's nature you mm -hmm. know but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I, I don't, I don't think I would say I felt guilt. Mm. I just felt a bit torn just because, and I think, and that's probably why I asked you that question about, you know, was it easier years later? And 
because I I think I think that if I had a much bigger house, I would have mm. been very tempted just to keep yeah get rid of stuff, but kind of shed stuff, not yeah. really get rid, you know, um, and just park it somewhere because I had the space and I didn't have to get rid of it. Mm. So um, I would say it was it's definitely been a learning for me. And I think just because of the size of the place has helped me not to keep stuff unnecessarily. One of the first things I think of, even when I'm just, you know, buying clothes, have I got mm. room for that, you know? Um, and that's helped me to kind of like minimalize and mm. just have stuff that I need to have, um, not extras. It's, it's certainly helped change me actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm just, um, just that I've got a memory of of my brother actually from when he was um, just in terms of the kind of different approaches that people that people have, and this is not this is not about kind of moving out of the family home. But when my brother moved um, house previously, my brother's a couple of years older than me, and um, he he moved out of his kind of I suppose first house of his of his own that he had had and you know bought and and renovated and that sort of thing. And as he was moving, as he was moving out, you know, in my in my head, I'd have thought, right, well, a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months ahead of time, I'd have started packing up the things. You know, in my case, I've got, I mean, you can see my books behind me. You know, I'd have been packing mm. up the, packing up my boxes and those sorts of things, and just starting to think about it, knowing that there was that sentimental. Or there was some sort of emotional work to do, even in something like that. You know, oh, if I'm moving, do I need to take this? Or you know, I'm mm. almost dismantling a house has its own kind of you know um, emotional work attached to it. My brother, on the evening that he was moving out of the house, had barely touched. It wasn't a big house, but he had barely mm. touched the the stuff that was inside it. And I had turned up, and he'd invited myself and and his um uh, like a few of his close friends around to sort of help him move. You know, there wasn't enough stuff to have a removals van or anything. Mm. And he just swept through the house, top to bottom, couple of hours. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating to say that with kind of you know worktops, it was almost a you know, an arm swished across the t- into a bag, gone, what, what are you going to do with these? Oh, well, I'm just going to throw them. And it was just instantaneous. Mm. And it just struck me that that's like, th- there's no right, there's no right or wrong way there. Obviously, there are kind of, you know, certain things probably got um, sent to landfill that probably could have been, you know, served a better purpose. So if, if environmentally, it was probably not the, the, the smartest thing to do. But you know, there's just, I don't think he has any regrets. I don't think he has any regrets about that as a, as an approach. Whereas I could quite easily have just agonized over, over things. And, and like I say, this is, this is talking about just moving house. That's not even, that's not even going close to the subject of it's a kind of dismantling a house that's your family home and it's the home in which mm. you, your dad passed away. So yeah. yeah, it's, um it's just interesting the different ways that people, people attack it. Absolutely. I'm just wondering if just in terms of like passing words, maybe some advice that you would could or would give someone if they were in that position of having to clear a house um, following, you know, the passing of their loved ones, what would you say? Well, being the good podcast guest that I am. Maria, I did. I did jot some things down before because I knew that that might that question might be coming. Ever prepared, please. Ever prepared. Absolutely, you know me well. Um, I think the the first the first thing that I wrote down is that you know ad, advice 
advice that people give on subjects like this shouldn't be taken as advice as such. They should be taken as other people's experience. You, you know, I, I, and I think that there are so many different ways to to approach something like this. And and if somebody tells you how you should do it, I, I think it's you know, by all means, listen to listen to them and 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 factor their experience into into your thoughts but kind of mm. I, I would say take take advice with a with a pinch of salt because you just don't know how you're going to to or how it's going to work for you um and i think this uh, consider that as well when you're thinking about people around you you know particularly if siblings if siblings are involved or other relatives that other people are, other people will inevitably have a different approach to to you and will will work on different time scales and and will mm. kind of have different emotional profiles and and they don't always line up so so i would just be kind of mindful of that um i just wrote down i'm trying to be kind of concise here but i just put be respectful and realistic at the same time um i, I just think that it's that inevitably you will veer towards either the sentimental or the overly practical almost item to item but i think if there's always that balance of just being realistic and respectful at the same time you know if it's something that you are getting that you feel like you have to get rid of then mm. you know look at look at it open it up share it talk to somebody about it if because i think that help that helps mm -hmm. um mm. but realistic be, be realistic about it um and then the last thing I had put down was just about, um, and I think this is probably more of a comment on grief more generally, but just be prepared to be caught off guard by things mm -hmm. and, and for it not to be, you know, not to be that straightforward process that goes exactly how you, exactly how you planned. Uh, you know, and, I, and like I say, I think that that's probably that that could be more applicable to to grief in in general that doesn't follow that natural line that, you know, as time passes, you kind of come to terms with it more and everything makes sense more. And because actually you can just very quickly be sort of pulled pulled back and something will, will provoke a really emotional response in you. And I think that's that's fine. It's not a sign. It's not a sign that you're that you're kind of that that journey that you're on is is kind of back to square one again um so yeah those are my those are my my parting my parting words i hope that i hope that's useful done yourself justice <laughs> you should be proud of yourself no very thoughtful um really thoughtful reflections actually um for each of them i kind of thought yeah that's that's a good point um because it was a reminder to me of certain things um am i putting yeah. you on the spot by asking you to do the same is there anything that you you've are, that I you've mean, learned <laughs> i think um one is uh have people around if you can you know the mm. right i mean to support you in the process i think it it can help and it does help it's not to say that you can't do it by yourself mm. but um this is one of those where um yeah the more hands um the better it is um mm. The other I would say is you don't necessarily have to make those hard decisions right at the start. Like I said, like I mentioned, even like what you said, you know, um, with your mum, it took her 
she did it bit by bit over a period of years. So mm. you don't always have to think of it like, oh, I must do it, finish it, you know, there and then. I think that on there, there are occasions where someone will need to do that. So, for example, mm. if they need to sell the house up, mm. you know, but if you don't, then you don't have to, you know, do it there and then um, um, with a, f- you know, with a finish date at the end of it, you know, mm. um, see how, see how it goes. Then the other is, um, it reminds me of what you said, what we were talking about, you know, in terms of respecting items and the, the sentimental value of those things. So if you can't keep it um, and if it's too sentimental, maybe to give to charity, then find a happy home for it. It might be, mm. you know, it might be send a picture to a friend and say, do you want this? You know, reach out to see if it can go to another happy home. Mm. Um, and then and then there's probably some things where it's easy to make like cutthroat decisions like, oh, this is for the bin. This mm. is for this is a keeper. And then you mentioned about like that miscellaneous pile. I think separating them out into piles, into categories helps um, narrow things down and helps to make that decision mm. um, because that miscellaneous pile you know it might be easier on reflection you know to come back to it and be like mm. oh you know what actually I don't need this or actually I could do this with this bit or you know so you don't always need to it's not black and white you know in or out all the time um, then there was another thing that came to mind, and I think it was about when you mentioned, Paul, do listen in terms of people's experiences, but don't necessarily take their advice. I think there's definitely something in that. Um, and I can't remember how I heard this, but I remember um, in a conversation, someone saying how they didn't keep their, you know, their husband's um, glasses, as in mm. their spectacles. And then when I was thinking, actually, but I've, I've, I've still got my mum's glasses. It's no mm. good to me. You know, I'm not going to wear them. But my mum wore those glasses probably 45% or 50% of the time. Mm. And so it was a, it's another signature item that of her and she always had those glasses on and so for me just to dispose of them didn't really feel right didn't feel Mm. comfortable to me so I would definitely reiterate what you said about taking on people's ex I mean listening to people's experiences but not necessarily basing your decisions on someone else's approach do what feels comfortable for yourself you know Mm. Um, everyone's different yeah, and I think the last thing that I, I would say, just hearing you say that, is that I, I think that there will inevitably be things that you part with that you could then regret at a later at a later date mm-hmm. for exactly that for exactly that reason. And I think that it's just important. And this isn't advice that I know that I'll take because I think I probably still would get upset at myself if the if the kind of situation arose, but like it, it, you can't because you can't keep everything you will you you will get rid of things and at some at some point you may well have a moment when you think why did i get rid of why did i get rid of that and i think you just have to remember that the it's not the it isn't the item itself the, the, like you said, I mean, I don't know about the glasses, but they might not have been expensive glasses. They, mm-hmm. f- physically, the, the, their value may be really minimal. And, and actually what it is, is your kind of projection onto them. And, and that's more and that's more important, I think. Um, 
So I would just, yeah, it's probably a piece of advice to myself, really, that I think when those things do crop up, and they will do, just not to feel not to feel bad at, at having parted with things that, you know, I might later regret. Well, Chris, um, thank you so much for being that thoughtful, considerate and well-prepared <laughs> guest that I know you to be. Um, and thanks for sharing your experiences. It's been, it's been really cool. So. No, it's been a pleasure. And likewise, thank you. Here's a spiritual wellness tip for you. It's Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. And it reads, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Thank you for listening. Do follow and join me again next time on Mary Lyre Talks Beyond the Smile.